Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Amazing Jesus. Amazing, wonderful, glorious Jesus. We love you so much. We're so relieved to be saved. So thankful that we know you and that you know us. God, we're overwhelmed with joy by the fact that our lives are in your hands, God. We want it to remain that way. And so we come before you and we ask you that you would pour your spirit out again. Again, one more time. Every day, God, we want your spirit poured out upon us, Lord. We, we need you desperately. Every breath, every moment, Lord. Uh, that song, Every Day I Need You, Lord, it's uh, way more frequent than that. So we ask you to open your word to us, God. Thank you so very much for all that you're doing, that you'd include us, God. Even the stories before, uh, before we started this morning of who met who 20, 25 years ago when they weren't even saved. What a great adventure you have us on, God. So we love you, Jesus. We ask you to open your word. Amen. So going forward, so our, Robin and I, um, we have an anniversary coming up. We're going to take a few days off. We also have a, we have a massive thing in our household, in our, in our family, and I'm putting it out on this call because you people are praying people. And our son-in-law, Dave Ludwig, um, was diagnosed with ALS. If you know anything about it, it's a horror story, but for the hand of God. We need a healing. Um, and we've seen some, we've seen literally miraculous healings. I know many of you have as well. Um, sometimes the Lord heals us through doctors. He, part of my journey was that. But other times we've seen the supernatural, six pounds of cancer gone in a day. And so we're believing. And these days, this whole story of what we're pressing into in this whole theme of these Saturday mornings is an outpouring of signs and wonders and miracles and power along with the trouble of the days prior to the return of the Savior. And if this is at all accurate, these are times we should be asking God for rain in the time of latter rain. So please join with us in prayer for our daughter. Her name is Victory, and her husband, his name is Dave. He's the guy. He's 49 years old in good health. They love Jesus, and he's a year into it, and he was just really accurately diagnosed several weeks ago. So... Even our travel schedule going forward, there might be times when we just have to go back to California. Then whatever's, or we're, we're going to be a lot more flexible than, not that we've been purposely stiff. I'm just saying that there might be situations coming up that require us but to not be here. We won't be here. But there might be suddenly yeah. that we're not here. Okay, so um, I want to say that we're not going to finish this last section of Daniel 9. And it, first of all, we're in no hurry to get any place. All we want is God. Okay, so it's not like I can't wait to get to or I need to have that in my back pocket so I can now move forward with an understanding of everything that's going to happen. I am more than ever convinced that the storyline has to be God looking for spirit-led, spirit-driven, spirit-infused, spirit-hungry, spirit-obedient people who can pivot on a dime. I, I actually had a word for a guy last night, an older guy, sort of our age, Actually, not that old, but old. And <laughs> there's a lot of people old who are younger than us. But, and he, he had been a gymnast. And I had a word, and I said to him, I said, you are still a gymnast. I said, you are, because he's had career changes. I said, you're still able to make the quick moves as the Spirit comes upon you. And it, was, it, it blessed him. Mm -hmm. 
But the truth is, is that, you know, as our bodies get old and stiff and cranky and all these other things, and you get up and you take inventory about what's not working or working less than yesterday, our spirit should be getting revived. You know, Paul said, though, our outer man perish, our inward man is being renewed day by day for the light afflictions which are but for a moment work in us a far and exceeding eternal weight of glory. So we want to stay fresh and lively and all that stuff. So one of the things that we're doing here is we want... We want a greater grasp of what God's doing overall, not just looking at a clock or a calendar and being able to say, that's this. We are called to be the voice of God on earth. We're supposed to be pointing people to what's happening in the generalities. You know that. But at the same time, the issue is not simply a mathematical timeline. And I, by the way, I sent you a timeline this morning in your notes. Uh, Dan Bruce, who I love and respect this guy. I'm trying to have coffee with him while he's still on earth. He's an older guy. And, um, and I'm trying to do that. I love this guy. But we're going to look at some of the things he says. But he's not simply a nut that this nut, me, caught on to. Where, you know, we looked at Jerome. I, he was in the 400s. He was, a, you know, he was in the Catholic, you know, he was a Catholic uh, saint. Um, and he has things that I totally don't agree with. There's, and I'm not even saying Catholic things. There's just some speculations he had about the temple at the end of the age. I don't necessarily agree with. But he says things that are very similar to what um, Dan Bruce says. And we're also going to read out of the New Living Translation commentary that comes with that translation, which, by the way, is not a translation. It's a paraphrase, but I still use it and love it, and it blesses me. But I'm just saying that I want to assure you that none of the alternative uh, uh, versions of 490 years that people have tried to like put a mark or a stamp on a, a starting date of um, Artaxerxes or, or Cyrus giving a command and trying to fit it into the day Jesus was born or, or the year Jesus was crucified. None of those, um, none of these things and None of these things discount the fact that the Savior of the world is Jesus. The one who died for our sins is Jesus. The one who was born in Bethlehem is Jesus. The one who is the only begotten of the Father is Jesus. The one who's coming back is Jesus. Okay, so we're not going, I'm, I promise you I'm not going weird on you. That, at the same time, I am weird and you know that already. So um, many people have dug very, very deep. These guys, um, Jerome... It's just like the 400s. I, I like, we're not talking like, you know, uh, you know, El Al Airlines. We're talking like someone deciding to go down to Jerusalem to learn Hebrew in the 400s was like a, 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 a in Hebrew, or it, was a, it would be a big mishagas in Yiddish. It's a big deal. People didn't travel. Most people didn't even travel out of their towns for their whole lifetime. And Jerome in the 400s, he learns Greek, he learns Hebrew. He's, he, I mean, he, he translate. He was the first one of the first guys who translates the Bible into Latin. He's he's one of the premier writers of the early centuries, and he has speculations. I sent them to you last week. I'm not going to go back and go through them. You have those notes, but he's already saying, well, it's sevens. It's not weeks. The New Living Translation people say the same thing. So I'm just saying this that I believe, and I'm going to sort of you know steal my own thunder here, or or you know what is, what do they call that when you do a thing with a movie? You tell them the spoiler, but spoiler alert. But it's all about us being spirit filled, and I am more and more convinced. First of all, I'm not saying hold prophecy lightly. Period, because 
it's clear that God uses prophecy powerfully and there's things that are spot on. Sometimes things are spoken to you and it just lights your spirit up. Though that's you bet on it. There's things I'm still betting on, prophecies that haven't yet been fulfilled in my life. I totally believe were the Lord. But at the same time, when this, there are certain things that God, and I've said it before, there's a prophetic ambiguity. There's a purpose to it. One is to cloak it from the casual observer. One is to reward the one who's pressing in over the years. Another one is to keep us on our knees. Keep us on our knees. We're going to look at a very interesting scripture in, in the book of Isaiah later this morning. So the idea of 77s will go in there, okay? So I'm not in the ranks, seriously, of scholars like these people. Even Dan Bruce, I mean, there's things we don't agree with. I, I know God's used me to minister to him in certain ways, be, you know, but at, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know my Bible like some of these guys. So, I mean, I'm happy with my walk. I'm me, and that's all I'm called to be, and you're called yeah. to be you, and yeah, yeah. We'll, go, we'll, we'll be really good. It's that thing, you know, be yourself, everybody else is taken. Okay. And that grades too. But you gotta be you. You gotta people always say, I gotta find my identity. I don't know my identity. I thought when you find Christ, you find your identity. That's it. That's it. You don't have to go chasing. People have been doing that for thousands of years and they've fallen off cliffs. And they're looking for their identity. Your identity is Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. What gets better than that? You find who you are. You're actually happy with yourself. You know, I wish I looked differently. I wish I, there were certain things. I, I don't like Brooklyn accents. I know people from, well, friend KS from Hong Kong thinks Brooklyn accents are cool. He loves me reading the Bible. But I'm just saying that, you know, different places. I'd much rather listen to Paul with his Australian thing going, you know. Really, I mean, or someone British. I mean, they can read you. They can read you the label on the side of your tire, and it sounds classy. You know, if someone... Okay. Brilliant. Especially when they say brilliant. Yes, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. But the reality is God is calling us into the theological more than the logical. He's actually calling us there. It doesn't mean we defy logic, but much of what God does, he's, he defies logic. The whole story of the book is, is illogical in that sense. So now this is interesting here. This whole thing about the day-year code the issue for us is not solving the whens. I believe the reason that stuck me here was this chronospecificity, meaning the accuracy. Is God accurate? I believe he is. Why he doesn't speak accurately all the time, I believe is part of his plan. Is he able to speak accurately, clearly, many, many times in scripture, day, week, month, time of day, and all those things. But if the 490-year plan where they, you know, they take things and, and still move things forward and the 70-week is forward. If, the, you know, then we have a very predictable, what looks like a methodical course of things getting accomplished. Getting, but if, it's, if the 70 years, according to Scripture, remember Jesus said not every jot and tittle of the law, nothing's going to pass away till it's all fulfilled. If there's things that have been fulfilled in a, in, in bona fide, checkable history, then we could be in for some surprises going forward. And I, I, I was speaking to a retired pastor last night, and I was, you know, I was just, and he doesn't really, not a eschatological guy that much, but, but I was saying, I said, no, there's things that aren't in place yet, and there certainly are things that aren't in place yet. 
But there might be things that are in place that we don't know about. Just because I don't know it doesn't mean it hasn't happened. Uh, you know, we, it's almost an arrogance to think, well, I haven't heard of it, so all that means is you haven't heard of it. <laughs> yeah. So, which is why, I mean, I've been so, I, I'm having issues with my eyes as I get older. I've had issues with my eyes my whole life, but I just have more issues with my eyes because I've never been this old before. But, um, but I, I've been flying into reading, I'm even reading and reading and reading, and some of the, you know, it's just driving me a little nuts, but I'm overwhelmed by certain things that literally check prophetic boxes. That's what we're going to look at this morning. I'm not doing it to teach you history or even to teach me history, but it takes me to the place of saying, if some of the assumptions that have not been accomplished, haven't been accomplished yet, but they have, changes a lot of things. And so we really have to stick to the scripture. And the scriptures actually accurately say sevens, not years. Okay, so Daniel 10, looking forward, I'm going to read out of the NASB. It says, now I have come to give you understanding, him, of un what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. So that's far-flinging the story of nine, actually, actually the whole book of Daniel, all the way to the end, because uh, all the way to the end of 12, because Daniel is asking by that time, when are these things going to happen, and what are you talking about? And Daniel is told, go your way. These things are sealed up. So... Dan Bruce has a book, Daniel Unsealed. If you Google Daniel Unsealed, there's like an army of people who wrote books called Daniel Unsealed. Try getting that trademark and forget it. No, seriously. Because everybody's thinking, oh, not everybody, a lot of these writers think it's all unsealed. Other people think maybe, maybe it's all unsealed, maybe not. We don't even know that. And, I, and I've told you, I've had conversations with Dan. We said, gee, Elliot, I think we might be in the last days. I'm like jumping out of my skin thinking, yeah, I think so too. So in, in Daniel, uh, the same verse in the New King James says, now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people, meaning the Jewish people. But remember, the, the only grid, the only prophetic grid then, even though there were, obviously there was Ruth the Moabitess and there were other people who came in to the faith out of, you know, who weren't Jews, but the real grid was the Jewish grid. The explosion of the Gentile program was the mystery that Paul says in Ephesians is not a mystery anymore, that this is the age of the Gentiles. And so on one hand, it's people say, well, that's the overriding of Jerusalem, you know, people overrunning the place. But it's also, the, this is the age of Gentile salvation. So there are things that are mysteries anymore, but he's saying here, in the latter days, that term is acharit yam, and it literally means latter days. It really means days future. It means, and it doesn't just mean future. It means days towards the closure of something. So all of these things have to do with the closing of an age. Remember what Paul told us that, you know, the end of the age has come. The end of the ages as we know it have come. So we're, we're, we're moving forward there. So this is wild. This is, um, and, you know, people say Jehovah's sneaky. God's not really sneaky, but he is Jehovah's surpriser. Clearly Jehovah's surpriser. And listen how he's dealing with the Jewish people. Now, remember, he says, he's, he's telling Daniel, your people. But your people actually includes, it, it, I believe it's all centered around Jerusalem. That's ground zero. There's no question. We see what's happening on earth right now. But the reality is, is that the, your people, everybody who gets saved as a Gentile is brought into the household of faith. I mean, in reality, whether, you're, whether you have an ounce of Jewish blood in you or not, you're the people of God now. This whole question of where is Zion, this is the supernatural 
place that we're, we're supposed to be living in. And it's and so when he says your people, this a lot of this, Jesus pushes into the New Testament prophetically in Matthew 24. He wasn't, if you think, well, I'm waiting for the scriptures that were specified to the Gentiles, I don't see a whole lot. This is a Jewish savior. This is a, written by Jews. And it's, but it's, but clearly it involves all mankind in these days. There's no question about it. And it's full inheritance too. It's not like second class citizens. But he says, the people of God, these things have to do with what's going to happen to the people of God. Meanwhile, in Isaiah, Isaiah is looking forward to the Babylonian captivity. He's way before, you know, this, actually Daniel is into captivity. Isaiah's prior. Listen to this word. This is God speaking through the prophet. This is Isaiah 48. Verse 6, have you have heard, see all this, will you not declare it, meaning open your mouth and say it? I've made you hear new things from this time, even hidden things, and you did not know them. These are new things. Everything, when God rested because the creation was complete, the creation was complete. God wasn't, he didn't stop creating. He never stopped. He's still doing it. And listen to what he says to them. Even hidden things that you and you did not know them. They are created now. God speaking through the prophet Isaiah during the years of Isaiah. Things are created now and not from the beginning. How clear is that? That's like, duh. This is like when people get to these things, they go, oh, when the Bible was like, you know, solidified or codified or, or assembled together, that's, you know, that was the, the, the perfect has come. So we're not going to see prophecy anymore. Not. That's not it. God's continuing to, to create. It'll never be contradictory to his personality and his holiness and all that, but he's always doing new things. If we were, if we were limited by only what he's revealed in Scripture, again, you can never pray with anybody on the phone. There weren't any. I mean, seriously, you say, I don't know if that's legit or not. You know, like, we have to see face-to-face. But listen to what he says. They are created now and not from the beginning. Before this day, you, how clear is that? That's, you don't need to be a scholar to figure this out. Before this day, you've not heard them. And here's why. Because you're a bunch of stubborn, proud knuckleheads. Lest you should say, of course I knew them. That's the attitude of man. Man wants to have a grasp of a complete understanding of God. But the complete understanding of God is that we don't yet know everything. <laughs> That's actually the complete understanding. That's part of our faith. What's faith? It's the substance of things here in your hand? No. It's the, it's the unseen. And we've spent time in the past sessions discussing mysteries and ones already revealed and not mysteries anymore. And, and, then we, and God in his wisdom, he's not only jealous for his word and, and, and even reserving its understanding for his people, like I said prior, but more importantly, he wants us spirit needy, spirit hungry, be filled with the spirit and keep getting filled and keep getting filled and keep getting filled. And I said it yesterday, actually twice in two different scenarios, but I said, look for an outlet, and I've, you've heard me, look for an outlet in the wall that says Holy Spirit and lick two fingers and stick them in that outlet and never take them out. That's why I believe in Hebrews when it talks about baptisms. He's not, I think he's, he's talking about water and fire, but I think we're supposed to be baptized in fire every day. I think we're supposed to be baptized in fire every day. This is part of his plan, and always and especially as we head into dark days, this is critical for us. 
that were walking in the spirit. This is why Satan has had such a field day at church trying to say, well, people get weird, so let's clean it up. Let's control. Let's put a cap on it. We had a very, very prophetic friend who was like crazy, crazy, saw stuff and heard stuff and accurate stuff, uh, you know, slept in the bed of a, of a kidnapped victim and dreamt where they were being held. I mean, a seer, a true seer. And he walked into a church one time. Um, we, were the, we were going to this church and, and it, it, they were going to do a, you know, a worship thing. And he walked in, he says, there's something in this place. There's a lid on this place. You just feel it. And some of us, we might not use that same verbiage, but there's times when you walk into even a place of God and something's not right. And it doesn't, it's not a question of Catholic, Protestant, or which Methodist, or, or Episcopal. There are places you walk anything. This place isn't right. We were, at a, we were at a service out of state, like last year. We walked in, it was dead. It was dead. It was, so, it was oppressive. And it doesn't have to be that way. It's not supposed to be that way. It's not, in the house of God, God, God's alive. The whole story is about we're serving a living God and a risen Savior. It's not supposed to be dead. So look what Paul says. He goes, this, this is the Yada, Ephesians 5. See then, he's talking about conditions, and he says, you walk circumspectly, not as fools. If you don't understand what the will of God is, we could walk foolishly with the best of intent. This is Ephesians 5, 15 through 19, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days in and of themselves are evil. The world's going south. God's calling us up. The world's heading in the wrong directions. Nations are raging. That being the case, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, meaning he has a will. The invitation is for us to press into his will. How many times do we just want to invite God along on our will? And we just say, well... And I love that story of David. Um, he gets anointed king, and in like in one chapter, it's like five verses apart. The same bad guys, the Philistines, come and and engage David in a conflict in the same valley. And David goes before the Lord, and God gives him a really cool, creative plan, totally weird. And David whoops him. And like four verses later, the same bad guys go to the same valley and they engage again. David easily could have said, "I know how to do this." He goes, goes before the Lord again. God gives him a weirder plan, and he whoops him again. And David says, I'm going to name this valley the valley of, of I'm going to name this place Peretzim, and I'm, going to, and, uh, and I'm calling it actually Baal Peretzim, meaning the Lord master of multiple breakthroughs or multiple breaches or multiple break-ins, meaning please stop assuming that what worked yesterday for you is going to work tomorrow. It'll always be holy, but it's always going to be fresh because that's who we're dealing with. And so for us to have the, you know, the Excel spreadsheet thinking, cool, you know, I know I got it all figured out. You think it's, it's like it's back to square one and you're getting religious instead of relational with God. You don't want to go there. So your experiences should be teaching you, I need something fresh today. And I do. And this thing, even with the health issue within our family, I thought, man, we need you, God. I need you desperately. There's situations, and that's the big one for us because it's family and blood and all that. But there's some big stuff happening around us. And there's big stuff happening on earth. And when people start understanding there's an anointing upon you, they're going to call you into big things that you don't even want to get involved in. And your comfort, you know, it's like, I don't want to get involved in that. The first thing, really, the spirit of man is, 
you know, I, and I always say it, I don't have bandwidth, my table's full, I don't have room on the table, I can't, you know, I, I, it's like, God, what do you want me to do? comes down to his will. We really would prefer having a comfort than a comforter because the comforter actually moves us into very uncomfortable situations. He comforts us when we're in the will of God. But the mo more importantly, I'd rather just have comfort, like comfort food, okay? So we come back to this. Jesus is pointing us to the Holy Spirit. All the questions then, the when, when, when. When are you going to do this? When are you going to do it? He says, just wait until you get... You find the outlet in the wall. Now, they didn't have electricity back then, but basically the upper room, they basically saw the outlet in the wall. They stuck their fingers in their mouth, got them good and wet, stuck them in the outlet. They filled with the Holy Spirit, and everything changed. That was the explosion of authority and power that was supposed to come down on the people of God, and it has to a degree that we're willing to allow that. But it's not simply a historic event. Peter jumps down and says, that's what Joel's talking about, what he quotes in Joel and what Joel first prophesied still hasn't been completed. So that so we're waiting on that. You want something to wait on? That one we know hasn't been completed. And we're going to see a great revival in these days. John, uh, uh, Jesus says this in John 16, uh, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He said, you think three years with Jesus, like I, we, Rob and I always say, something, we wish we were on the road to Emmaus. That's the Bible study I want to be in. Can you imagine? He opened the scriptures. You're walking with the risen Savior, and you don't have a clue. But this guy is opening up the prophets on the road to Emmaus. And both of them going, dude, did you record that? Yeah. <laughs> Man, you should have been there. Can you imagine all the cell phones that would have been out. That was the Bible study of Bible studies. I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, into everything. Not simply a one download, but consistent, methodical, timed, chronospecific download. He will not speak on his own authority, so you won't get weird listening to the Holy Spirit. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. There you go. So it's a Holy Spirit infusion that's required in you way more than times and dates. He will end, bottom line, he'll glorify me, for he will take up what is mine and declare it to you. That is spectacular. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You really want to know what God's doing? You want to have the magical mystery to it? What did they call it last night at that thing? He, I call it, oh, the great adventure. They, they sang a song about a great adventure. It was an amazing thing we're out last night. But it was basically, you know, I always talk about the Magi, and we get the word magic from magi, and, and then we got magical mystery tour. Well, the magical mystery tour is you saying yes to God. I mean, you're in for it. You're Hold on. Mm -hmm. Say yes to God and stop limiting God. There are all those verses in the New Testament that say according to the power that works into you, that word according to means how much room you make for the power. And, you know, we always say be filled with the Spirit of God. I wish I was filled with the Spirit of God. I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to sit there with, you know, with a meter, but I don't think I'm filled. I want more. I need more, but I have to make room, and that requires some holes getting drilled in me. Daniel, uh, Revelation, excuse me. There, okay, so there's more going on than we're savvy to, and remember, we had the go your way Daniel thing. Revelation 10.4. Now, with, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, Revelation, it's the last book of Scripture in the whole Bible. The last book. 
I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. So obviously something was said, spoken, revealed, prophesied, if you will, spoken forth, and John was going to write them down because he had been told to write down everything in like chapter one, and he says, I don't want you writing that. So what's that about? And he says, the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his hand to heaven, swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven, and this is his patent rights, and he says, there should be delay no longer. So John, 2,000 years ago, is basically hearing things are getting activated right now. Things are accelerating these 2,000 years. This is the, you know, again, if you, if you agree with the 7,000-year story of God and you have a 1,000-year millennium, it takes you back to 6,000 years. The Hebrew calendar is close to around 5,800 now. It easily could be off by 100 or more years. We don't know. But he says these are the days. When we get to Wednesday of the week, we refer to it as hump day. Like we're going into the weekend. After Okay, you have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday is the first day of the Hebraic week, where in essence, the, the, if the 7,000 years equals seven days, if, 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 there's no exact one scripture that says it, but if, 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 then that you, the Shabbat would be the millennium, would be the, the day of peace, and the 2,000 years prior would be Friday and Thursday. So we're, we're over the hump. We're, 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 moving, we're moving in this direction. It's, it's just theory. I won't teach it as law, and I won't teach it as prophecy, but I'm just saying, theoretically, it looks like it could fit a picture. So he says, he says, seal these things up. He says there's going to be delay no longer. He goes, but in the day of the sounding of the seventh trumpet, angel, I did that last time, didn't I? Yeah. I keep reading trumpet here. I told you I have bad eyes. No, I have word eyes. No. Yeah. In, in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God will be finished. Mm. It doesn't say when he sounds. It's when he's, when he's about to sound. So just prior, there's going to be somehow some kind of revelation, basically, a revelation. He goes, as he declared to his servants, the prophets, as Daniel, as through Isaiah, through Jeremiah. He says, but it's not going to be till then. And then you think, well, uh, you know, I've heard people, sometimes we have a tendency, we have to be careful to find a phrase like this, and then we make it prophetic. And we, let's be, not be creative here, okay? Because, you know, people say, oh, the, you know, I, the, the trumpet is to his lips. It might be. I mean, if you really see it, declare it. But be very careful and be very prayerful and be filled with the Spirit. Because sometimes we, we pick up um, weighty buzzwords, and then we want to make a doctrine out of it, or that becomes our prophetic banner. We don't want to go there either. Or even if you just have a feeling that this is, yeah, yeah you just want to yeah. be sure. You know, people were sure World War II was, was yeah. Jesus was coming back. Yeah. Jewish people are being persecuted. They need a rescue. They're in the death camps. We got this satanic man who's going to take over the earth. He's clearly the Antichrist, or if not him, Mussolini, because if you do some kind of alphabet math, his... He, there was a 666 that someone calculated with Mussolini's name. And we're always sitting there wanting to say, now is it now, now, now. And I have to be careful that I don't do the same thing. In fact, last night we're, we're listening to someone who listens to this, and he's talking to, we're in a room, but I don't know what, 800 people or something like that. And he goes, if the Lord tarries, and Robin's sort of like kicking me or saying he's listening to you. 
you know, maybe maybe he thought he was going to tarry a long, long time until he started listening to this podcast. But I don't want to jump the gun. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. And I'm not looking for God to affirm me. I want to be obedient. So I have to present this in such a way. There's things I know. There's things I don't know. So even to this, and here's a plug for our ministry address here. Okay. So where this is easy three seven two eight, Ezekiel thirty seven two eight is actually a verse that talks about a when. That there's things that the whole world won't know until certain things happen. This is part of the cryptography, if you will. This is the puzzle solving. Of prophecy. The nations also will know that I, the Lord, set Israel apart for holy purpose, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. Now, Jerome, by the way, doesn't believe there's going to be a temple at the end. I don't know where he gets that, but, you know, I told you about David Barron in the 1800s, a Messianic Jew, who kept saying, oh no, there's going to be an Israel. It's not just, it's not just uh, analogous, it's not just pictorial, it's not just imagery it's not that he goes it's going to be in israel a lot of people had to readjust their theology when israel was born in the day so we have to be very sensitive and i've told you before jameson fawcett brown they were there's some place in scripture and and this is like 1800s i love these guys and they said basically it sounds like mohammedism which was islam but they said but mohammedism is on the wane in the 1800s it, it sort of was in this in this slump and so they couldn't imagine the verses speaking of Islam because they were stuck in the lens of what they were experiencing around us. And I'm just saying we want to be really careful how we sit down and say this is this and this is this and this is this. So we're called and required by God's purpose and we're called and required to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And all those verses that we've looked at over the weeks, praying in, praying in tongues is a, a sign of it. You want to argue and say that it doesn't, you know, doesn't require that. That's, well, just deal with it. Pray, pray through about it. Just ask God. But I'm just saying, if it's in the book, I want it. I, you know, I don't, that's me. I'm a sort of addictive kind of personality. If it says I can have it, it's, it says to covet earnestly the, the spiritual gifts. It doesn't mean I'm jealous to take it from someone else and have it myself. I'm not looking for promotion, but if it's in the book, I want it. And you do too, because Paul says, when the days get evil, you got to do everything to stand, and it's not going to be selective anymore. So that, so what we see, the mysteries of regarding the fulfillment, I believe, are purposely reserved for time revelation, to most importantly, to draw us to our knees. That we don't know. That we don't know. And I'm convinced that we'll eventually move from these verses with a general understanding of the prophetic gist of all prophecy, which I think we're getting to. And so now I move on. So from last week, there was a correction. I did mention Onias or Onias as a high priest who had his ear cut off or something like that. It was the wrong guy. It's Hyrcanus. I know it. You guys were up tossing and turning over this. So, but, but, uh, but there's a couple of Oneuses or Oneuses in Scripture. We're, we actually will touch on them a little bit this morning. But I just want to get accurate. I, I hate it when I listen to something I was editing at last week and I thought, oh, man, I got the wrong, wrong priest. So the priest I meant to say was Sartanus. And this is why this matters. Because if, remember, every jot and tittle, and I want to 
This is clear, again, not so we get the timing of these events exactly, but that we understand that history, God is his word. He didn't just have someone read it or write it or teach it, but he is the word. So if it says it in scripture, then it has to be. And there are things that God might fulfill in a way that we do not see as being the fulfillment or we're not aware of it because to us it looks small or um, innocuous or, or, or a sidebar, like we talked about the Battle of Granicus as being the start of a Daniel 7 calculation by Dan Bruce that took him all the way up by counting Passovers, all the way into the half-tracks coming into Jerusalem during the uh, Six-Day War. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting here thinking, if you don't know, I didn't know anything about Granicus, you didn't, probably didn't either. So, but it doesn't, but, so God is, he chooses, he is the word. So if he gives a date and you don't know when it occurred, don't, tell, don't be so sure that it didn't happen. So what happens here is, okay, the seven, 77s would require a cutting off of something. But there's several different places in those verses, which we probably will look at this morning. But it talks about cutting off and it talks about also a savior jesus but the word mashiach the word for for anointed one david called saul mashiach the priest was called mashiach De, uh, christ was called mashiach christ is actually greek for messiah so there were a lot of people who were called mashiach and so when it got when something gets the word cut cutting cut off cutting a cutting a deal cutting off a guy's ear having his life terminated they all qualify for that word so doesn't mean jesus didn't get cut off from man we know he did and he and he got his life was cut off not for himself but for us we that we get but some of the other cutoffs in those verses could have been other events that's the thing that sobers me up a little bit right now and i if, if you i've sent you a gazillion notes um if you want to go into those things, if you want to start researching yourself, God bless you. We're going to move on. We've got to move on from this. Trust me. But I just want us to be flexible here when we start reading and understanding things that we don't get dogmatic. Listen to what Dan Bruce says here. Okay. The alternative, the alternate translation, he says, precisely describes the history of the year 36 B.C. 36 B.C. means 36 years before Jesus. You know, before that, the common era. So around the years of his birth. Dan Bruce, I mean, there are charts that will drive you nuts in this book. I also gave you the link if you want to buy the book. But, um, and you can buy it used online. You can also buy it if you want in um, uh, Kindle. It's, you know, you can search. It's easy to do digital searches that way. But it's very, he, he lays out how to count Passovers, how to count Pentecost. Because like there was no zero, no one did a zero here. They went from a year to one. So, but when you start doing it and you start seeing which season a certain thing occurred, you, it literally turns out perfectly accurate. And one of the things which I have here, let's see, what do I have it here? Oh, is the fact that um, a lot of these guys are were looking for a decree, if you remember, a decree in 24 through 27 to rebuild Jerusalem. There were multiple decrees, but everybody started looking to the decree by someone who was contemporaneous with Daniel because there were the, those were the first decrees. But if you take those forward and you start thinking a day equals, uh, you know, a, 
a year, a week, you know, the weeks equal years or whatever, you know, whatever the common thing is that's 490 years between Daniel and Jesus, there, no one could find historically established events that coordinate to that prophecy. But we, you know, we grow up in church, especially, you know, Gentiles, obviously, grow up in church, and you said, well, 70 weeks equals this, equals 490 years. Everybody goes, oh, okay, because I get, you know, 70 times 7, yeah, 490, yeah. And then at 49, you look at when Daniel was born and when Daniel got this prophecy, and you look when Jesus was, it's, you know, it's sort of close. Sort of close is sort of close. Jesus didn't say, well, I got to get crucified on or around Passover. You know, like, you know, give or take a couple of days if I'm late, uh, you know. He didn't say that. He, got, had to get, he had to be crucified on a certain day. Mm. And the timing of the events, the timing of when people were in the pilgrimage holidays, all these things, the, the, out, the first fruit outpouring happened on the day of Pentecost. That wasn't a coincidence. God intended these things. The book is specific. God intended things to be done a certain way. So... Dan Bruce started reading, and the book, seriously, there's chapters and chapters of history. We might look at some when we get into 11, 10, and 11, because a lot of the history is, is common history, commonly known history, and it just proves Daniel's prophetic accuracy. But Daniel Bruce started thinking, what if, because the Lord had already led me into chapter 7 to understand that, is there a code framework to the writings of Daniel that might apply to the sacred holidays of Israel. And he gets this dating crazy to the day for the, you know, for, for the Daniel 7. And he, and he had already studied Daniel 12 and he has what he thinks is a reasonable explanation of the days in, in Daniel 12, which we'll probably get to about the week before Jesus returns. Mm -hmm. But he says, what if there was something to do with that same kind of coding for the holidays. And when he got to Pentecost, he, he looks like he might have found a code, which of course is hilarious because this whole thing has to do with the spiritual outpouring. I mean, we're talking about the upper room. We're talking about the Joel prophecy and, the, and Peter talking about it. And we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit is why God might not have given us everything. For, for God to use that as part of his mystery code to break in in Pentecost, I think, oh yeah, that might make sense. That resonates in my spirit. So listen to what Dan Bruce says in green in my notes here. Describes a history of the year 36 BC that was foretold by the prophecy. As previously mentioned in his notes, not mine, after the decree issued by Julius Caesar in 44 BC, Jewish history records, they, this is historic, you could, you know, you, you can confirm this, that a major revolt by Antigonus, brother of Hyrcanus II, the Hasmonean high priest and ethnarch, began in 40 BC. That year, Antigonus, in alliance with Rome's arch enemy Parthia, overran Judea and captured Jerusalem and the temple from Hyrcanus. Antigonus installed himself as high priest after cutting, and he puts in parentheses, biting maybe biting off the ear of Hyrcanus to make him ritually ineligible to serve as high priest in the future. They were lunatics. <laughs> then sent him to Parthia in chains. Herod fled to Rome where he was proclaimed king of the Jews. That starts tying into the whole story. Hail king of the Jews. Who's this guy? I want to worship king of the Jews. He was a liar, Herod. 
Herod was, he was a half-breed. He was proclaimed king of the Jews, okay? And he sent back to Judea with several Roman legions to put down the insurrection. So before we get into the chronospecificity, look at, look at John Walvoord. I love John Walvoord. I disagree with tons. He came out of Dallas Theological Seminary to things he, know, he knew, he's, he's home to his reward now, that I'll never know. I've learned much from him, but there's total things that I disagree with heartily. But look what he says here, because I respect the man. Listen, this is, here's a, this is a legit theologian. This is a guy who put forth 490 years. Listen to what he says. This 490-year period is divided into three segments. Seven sevens, good for him there, and then he says 49 years. 62 sevens, 434 years, and one seven, verse 27, seven years. The first period of 49 years, this, now I have it in red, but he's just writing this out. Listen, listen to how generalistic this is. The first period of 49 years may refer to the time in which the rebuilding of the Temple of Jerusalem permitted by Artaxerxes' decree was completed. Somewhere between 444 and 395, we really don't know. It's nine years. How'd you like it if he was like doing heart surgery on you? Would you like that kind of accuracy? Though Nehemiah's wall construction, listen to this one. This is almost a joke. Though Nehemiah's wall construction project took only 52 days, that they know, many years may have been needed to remove the city's debris after being desolate for decades. So he says, so maybe it was five years, could be 50, I don't really know, but this is how I get to 490 years. I said, really? And he's not, I'm not saying he's a fool. He's a wonderful man of God. But some of the people, when I've read a lot of these kind of things over the course of the last couple of weeks, and there's speculation. It's all speculation. And nobody has dates on events. And they're thinking, there are things given in Scripture that are clearly given. And you think, we have a doctor. We have Dr. Luke writing. Doctors are pretty specific guys. Matthew is like a, an accountant. They're very specific. I mean, they've got to get all the numbers right. So you got Matthew, you have an accountant, and you have a doctor writing two of the two of the of gospels. You think they, 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 if they knew, they would have said something? They didn't. Neither one of them mentioned anything. These kinds of maybes permeate speculations of many who embrace 490 years start and finish dates, who try to lasso Daniel's prophecy into a line from Cyrus or Artaxerxes issuing edicts. They try to attach that to the crucifixion, saying 490 years. And they're admittedly saying, we could be off by 11 years, 30 years, 40 years. I thought, so basically you're just flipping a coin. So what if there's something that's accurate that we might want to consider? And if, if Dan Bruce, if Jerome, some of the wording that I sent you in Jerome, and if in the a New Living Translation, if these guys are more accurate and they have it right, that's off-putting in a way. It, it makes us, it could make us at least wonder, saying, God, I need to really be in the spirit. I, I, want, to be, I want to be in the right place at the right time. I was talking to Ed yesterday, and I said, you only want, and he knows it too, he's a spirit-filled man. I said, you only want to live where God calls you. We have, there's saints, praying saints being called to California right now. There's praying saints being called, we know a, a girl who was called to, to Yemen. A year ago, we went to you know a, a thing for her. She's being called she's, right now. So you just don't know. You just want to be the only place you want to be is where God calls you, and, and you don't want to posture yourself to be any place else. Ask Jonah. Jonah loved his anointing. 
He totally loved his anointing, man. He was like the, you know, he was a rock star of Israel. So, you know, I mean, God's really stubborn. And you, can, you will, if you have to get there by whale, you will get there. <laughs> you will get there. So here's a potential prophetic wrinkle. The jots and tittles that all will be fulfilled per Jesus in Matthew 5. Some of the jots and tittles that most everyone in church is still waiting for. If, 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 some other credible timing theories might prove accurate, then some of the long-awaited, even long-assumed jots and tittles may have been fulfilled. And we might be in for some surprise timings. We just might. Now, there's also certain things. There's a lot of calculation. The woman, the you know, in the in the in, you know, in Revelation, and there's 1260s, and it looks like three and a half years. And and Dan Bruce says, well, there's no mention of 30-day months. And but you go into if you go into Google, if you Google it, people say the general. There's there's a bazillion calendars, guys. It's not just Gregorian versus Hebrew. Okay, there's all sorts of calendars. When they say the first year of a guy's reign, is it the first year that he was co-reigning with his dad? Is it the first year of the calendar that he started reigning? Did he reign five months before the calendar clicked over? Or did the calendar start as the day he sat on the throne and put the crown on his head? They don't even know those things. And so there's a lot of things that look like contradictions. They're not contradictions. They were just written in different cultures, and we just we have to rest in that stuff. But things may have occurred. Issues like an old Jewish priest's ear being removed to disqualify him really doesn't matter to us in the sense of, are you going to make it to heaven or not? It's not going to matter. Okay? But what does matter is that you're hearing God. And what does matter is that you don't take it and run with something as an assumption, thinking, now I don't have to hear from him because someone taught me something. If I'm teaching you anything... And, and me too, if I'm learning, is you better hear God. Yeah. These are not days to not hear God. These are not days. There's no such thing as constipated Christianity. It really isn't. If it's Christianity, it's going to be on the move. Blessed is the man whose heart is set on pilgrimage. You better be, we better be, I'm saying it for our health and our benefit, we better be hearing God every day and he continues to speak every word that you know every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God every word he's still talking he's never stopped talking if we're not hearing we're not hearing that's our issue it's not on his part he's talking to his people he's trying to guide us with the eye rather than guide us with the bit and bridle he will guide you the whale equals the bit and bridle basically you know it's a lot easier if you just say yes so here this is interesting here's some more credibility that ties into Dan Bruce Okay, Daniel 9. This is the New Living Translation, which is not a translation. It's a paraphrase, but I love it. Okay, Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven. Literally seven sevens plus 62 sevens. The command to rebuild Jerusalem and its temple marks the beginning of the 70 sets of seven. Now, then they say, this is amazing again, the event that best fits now, 90 guys, this is 90 prayerful people, made it, might have been men and women, but 90 scholars got together and prayerfully lay, laid out this commentary. And because it's, a tra it's not a translation, but a, um, but a paraphrase, they, they very prayerfully laid out what do we think this means. And a lot of times if something is not clear in the King James or the NASB or the NASB or the, uh, the New International or any of those, open up the New Living and you'll see that a lot, I mean, I, we love it, actually. We're starting to respect it more than ever, and as long as I don't get so religious and go, yeah, but it's not a translation. But, but it's not. 
And that's important, though, because we want to stay accurate. Because you don't want someone taking a new living translation and then translating that. Then, then you start going. Then you start going really sideways. Okay, that's the problem with, with when not identifying a book as a paraphrase. Okay, the event that best fits the description is the decree of Cyrus the Great in 538 that allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem and begin rebuilding. Less likely, but he's saying, but these are people stick to this. Are the decrees of Artaxerxes? Okay, and. A ruler, he talks about a ruler, an anointed one, or an anointed one, a prince, similarly in 926, literally a messiah. Many interpreters see Christ as fulfilling his prophecy, so they understand this passage as describing history from the time of Daniel to the time of Christ. Correct. That's what's very popular, especially in the Western church. Listen to this. This is these writers from 1996. How, and remember, knowledge will increase. So these guys, 1996, they had computers. They had digital software. We're able to press into things now nobody could press into in the past. However, and, and they did this in quotes, an anointed one can refer to any of Israel's kings or priests who were ordained by anointing with oil. If the passage was, if the passage was fulfilled in the time of Antiochus IV, then the anointed one was probably the high priest at the time, Onias III, and strong defenses, and okay, and he talks about, you know, being rebuilt. The vision refers to Jerusalem as being physically rebuilt. The rebuilding of the temple was completed in 515. In, in 445, Nehemiah completed the wall of Jerusalem, blah, blah, blah. Okay, it goes on. But I'm just saying, if this happens, then this fits into place. If this happens, then that doesn't. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying it so we have it figured out. I'm saying that we're saying we'd better be praying. And Dan Bruce, to me, has credibility. And I see things that I disagree with with Walvoord doesn't mean I'm right all the time either. But there's certain things that we're able to understand now that people even 50 or 100 years ago didn't even understand. So, we're, and we're the, we're the group of people that God's called here now. So it doesn't mean we're smarter than these guys, but we have the potential to be more knowledgeable because we have history to look at. More sources. We have more sources and we have more events. We have an Israel. All those people who argued with David Barron in the 1800s, they weren't fools. They just were living in the 1800s. If the Lord tarries and he comes back a hundred some odd years from now, and if my writings are someplace, he might read, boy, this guy was like weird. Or they might say this guy was right. So we have to hold it very, very lightly and tremble at the word and press into here and we're going to do fine. That's a bottom, that's our takeaway from the book of Daniel, period, quite frankly. It's that you're spirit-filled people, you're spirit-obedient, you're spirit-compliant. So then he goes on here and he says, okay, where are we here? 926. Nine yeah, but I've told Okay, I'm looking, 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 looking here. This is my little, okay. At the end of the 70 sets of seven, we're some feeling, okay. 926. After this period of 62 sets of seven, literally 62 sevens, the anointed one, literally an anointed, those who see the, and what's read here is just me reading his writing, so I haven't changed what they're saying there. Those who see the fulfillment of this passage in the time of Christ will refer this prophecy to the crucifixion of Messiah, the and cutoff. The murder of the high priest. Oh, point to the murder, oh, sorry. The murder of the high priest Onius III, as the fulfillment of the prophecy. Those, the anointed one, literally, okay? 
Those who see this fulfillment in the passage in the time of Christ will refer to prophecy to the crucifixion of Messiah in AD 33. Now we know Jesus was crucified. God didn't bring in the people into the pilgrimage hollows to see Onias executed or Hyrcanus to have his ear cut off, but they still were events that fulfilled the cutting. You, you, you're tracking with me a little? I hope so. No one said yes here. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, it gets even crazier. I won't go there. Yeah. Da, okay. Back to Dan Bruce. The timing of Dan Bruce's prophecy, based upon an exhaustive study of Pentecost, takes us right up to these events of the of the cross. It takes us right there. And if somebody, if all, and Dan though is thinking the 70 weeks were fulfilled prior to the, he doesn't deny the crucifixion, but he's saying it, it takes us there, but he's saying the 70 weeks may have been fulfilled in other events. And I want to take you to one place here that's pretty amazing. Where is it? It's so cool. Okay, I'm going to actually, boy. Okay. Um, okay, Bruce researched and discovered in history a command came from Julius Caesar. Okay, we did that already. Okay, and let's go down here. So there's a link here if you want to read about Julius Caesar, the popular 70 weeks, okay, um, of Cyrus or someone else around the time of Daniel. The second key to interpretation, this is Dan Bruce, of the prophecy of the 70 weeks is to be understood which decree to restore. And he talks about the Persian rulers. We've really covered that, but there's a lot of green here you can read if you want. A note on the word weeks, this is cool. It comes from the word shab shabuah. That also comes from the key word in in Hebrew, which is the letter Shin, the key letter Shin. It's the three, it looks like the three points. You see it on uh, people's doorways when they, you know, when they have their mezuzah on the doorway of the house, they have the letter Shin. It's an amazing word, and there's a lot of Shalom, Shabbat. Um, it has to do with covenant. It has to do with cutting. It has to do with vow. It has to do with oath, and it has to do with the cutoff. And it also has to do with, I mean, it's crazy what it is. And that word has to do with sevens. And there's some correlation in Hebrew between the word seven and the idea of oath or, or prophecy. Do I understand it? No. Do you want to see something real, really wild? Go, there's a link here, a YouTube link. Tap on that link and watch Jewish Leonard Nimoy talk to you about the Vulcan symbol, live long and prosper. He was a Jewish man raised in temple and his daddy used to say when the presence comes don't look don't look don't look don't look and the priests would hold their hands up like this and it had to do with oath and sometimes in the jewish services you know the, those those synagogues are not all desolate and and he said he would sit there sometimes as a little boy and and the presence of god would come down and his daddy it would almost sound like raiders of the lost ark you know don't look in the ark and his daddy would say leonard don't look don't look don't look and of course leonard would peek and the priests would be there like this. And when they started Star Trek, and they were trying to address the culture of the Vulcans, Leonard Nimoy, as live long and prosper, what's, what's greater life and prosperity than the power of God? That's the Vulcan symbol. So all you guys live long and prosper, okay? So um, I, do I want to do this? I don't want to, or let's just go down. Okay, this is crazy. So let's go, okay, we're, this is actually good. No, we're good, we're making good, good, good. 
It's crazy and it's good. So, okay, so reading again, 70 weeks are determined, 77s are determined. For your people in your holy city, he lists the things. There has to be a conclusion of transgression to either end the sin on earth or to end the power of sin over man, to make an end of sins, to, for a conclusion, to reconcile it, how to be Christ, bring an everlasting righteousness, seal of vision and prophecy, could be a completion of the prophecies leading to Messiah, completion of the prophecies leading to up to that point, to, and to anoint the most holy. Remember what Jesus said, today's these days, are, are these, these things are fulfilled in your ears. Therefore, no one understand. Then he starts naming these things, and he goes through the weeks, but there's seven, so we'll, okay? After 62 weeks, which is 69, and by the way, we have not addressed the 70th week yet. We're not, we haven't addressed that. We actually have studied 69 weeks. We'll get to 70 <clears throat> next week. But then, because he talks about the middle of the week, he's going to bring an end of sacrifice. Now, let's go to the baptism of Jesus, and we'll go back into this, uh, the cutoff next time. Because if the cutoff, if all 70 weeks, according to Dan Bruce, have been completed, then, and it doesn't mean Jesus was out of step, because he knew what time he had, but that could have been 70 weeks prior, completed before, if the cutting of that or if the cutting of the ear or that priest of a messiah it doesn't mean jesus wasn't the messiah the savior of the world but that was like the greatest title they could give him okay the baptism of jesus have you ever heard someone say why did jesus get baptized for sin why did he have to get baptized he wasn't a sinner if someone was if you once you get baptized once you get saved and forgiven you don't have to get baptized again why was jesus baptized yeah but, yeah, but why? What was he fulfilling? Jesus said, suffer to fulfill all righteousness. Why? What's, the, what's he talking about? Could that have been one of the events? Could, it, could part of that be it? So John baptizes Jesus. It has timing markers. And first of all, Jesus came from Galilee to John and to Jordan to be baptized by him. Um, and there's two other places. Uh, you know, virtually, I think, the the Lots of the Gospels have this in there. It's critical. It's a critical thing that we just sort of read and move on from. Think, oh, isn't that cool? Savior of the world comes. And we, John goes, oh, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. That's cool. He recognized who he was. That's good. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? Mm -hmm. Jesus answered and said, and permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. And he allowed him. That could be part of the prophetic fulfillment right there. That that baptism actually launched righteousness. Fulfilling the righteousness. Fulfilling this, this qualification for the address of sin could have been Jesus. When he had finished baptizing, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. The Holy Spirit there is resting on him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, that's my boy. It's my beloved son. Is that wild? This could have been. Now, again, I've sent you a ton of notes. You could, you know, if you get into the book of um, Daniel Unsealed, he goes into this in much deeper detail, but it's pretty amazing how this could be part of the timeline of the fulfilling of 70 weeks prior to his crucifixion. He was still going to be crucified. We know that. Jesus, Jesus told us he was going to be crucified. So there's nothing here that's contradicting the plan of God for him being the savior of the world, hanging on a cross, buried in another man's grave, um, you know, resurrecting from the dead. Nothing doesn't detract from that at all. But he's saying, if the math 
comes from a counting of Pentecost to an outpouring of power and an anointing of the Holy Spirit on the Savior. And then Jesus telling, I, he goes, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me now. And then he's telling us, now you wait and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And I am the light of the world. I am departing now. You are the light of the world. It, it could factor in very heavily into what God's calling us to. For two, what he's been calling the church to for 2,000 years that we quite frankly have not fulfilled. And he's calling us in these days and a lot of the sufferings that we go through now are God getting us into place. So the outpouring that will come, because it's in the word, that outpouring will come whether we're walking in the fullness or not or scorched by it is up to us. It's up to you whether you fulfill God's destiny in your life. It's totally up to you. It's up to me whether I fulfill. If I decide I'm going to stop here, then I stop here. Well, I've served God 50 years, and now i got a lot of stories. Well, that's, I better not stop. You better not stop the walk that you're on. God's called us to walk this thing out, and, and to thank you, Jesus, that we have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of experience. Thank you, Jesus. We're learning the culture of a kingdom that we're going to be living in eternally and we're going to be ruling and reigning with them. And so the opportunity to understand this culture. This is why Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict the world of righteousness. He's going to show the world is wrong. Righteousness in the world is humanism. Yeah. God's righteousness is a totally different program. It's totally different. There's a couple of things we got right, but not much. A lot of the things that people say are like, oh, cowboys and Indians. I used to say that the Old Testament's like, you know, the Holy Spirit version of cowboys and Indians. Because there's a lot of this and that and death and kill these people and slug it out and cut them up and do all this. A lot of that stuff pertains to the end times. A lot of that, a lot of the final battles in Scripture that no one wants to address because they're off-putting, they're going to, they're going to, there's going to be a lot of, we're gonna, a lot of saints are going to be in for a shock. As things start happening, and I've said it before, there's going to be good, well-intended saints binding in Jesus' name what Jesus is doing. There was a guy last night, I was talking to a man, and he says, yeah, we're praying for the peace. Of you know, He didn't say praying for the peace because we're told to do that. That's totally legit. But he was basically saying that this war would be over. I said, you know what? I said, God is Israel in a headlock. Right now, he loves those people. Those are his covenant people. He is so intent to have them get to the place of Baruch HaBab Hashem Adonai, and they are so far from that. Go look at the Nova Festival. Go look at October 7th. They are so far. They have ultra-orthodoxy, which is insanity. And then they have secularism. They have New Age nonsense. They have, all, they have guys want to sell you red strings because this will make you safer. It's insanity. It's insanity what goes. When you go to Israel, sometimes it's so discouraging to see all the lunacy. And I've said this before. If we decided to go to Israel on a tour and we all got together and said, hey, let's get these like, you know, green uh, stripes and blue plaid robes and we'll wear them with tights and then we'll get LED lights and we'll pierce our ears with LED lights, okay, and we'll all wear inflatable shoes, do you know that they would make room for us to have a ceremony? 
They be, they, and we say, oh, yeah, we're the sect of the Kafritzenblatts, and we come from Brooklyn. And, the way we, and they'd say, oh, welcome. They would. And they, seriously, they walked to, you know, they, they'd, let, they'd make room for you. You'd have tour buses, and the hotels would give you group rates. That's the way, isn't that right? You've been there, how long you've lived there years. And it's crazy, that place. It's like the new zoo review. <laughs> and really, it's sad, though. It's pitiful. God's calling for people who will raise the dead, and, and he doesn't yet have them. And so, I mean, that's like crazy. Now here, look at this. Here's specific timing. If God wants to be, God's specific. First Kings 6, verse 1. It came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel come out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv. See, there you go. There's specificity to it. You know exactly when it happened. And those things happen. Same thing happened in the book of Daniel. Jesus, uh, Daniel is called into a, 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 a orgy. He's called into a drunken party. They had schlepped out all the uh, the artifacts of the Jewish temple, and um, and Belshazzar is having an orgy. His wife isn't even there. Got, the concubines are there, but they're just having a drunken orgy. And a hand shows up. A hand shows up. And they call in Daniel, and Daniel basically says to him, the interpretation is, you're a lightweight. You're found in the balance, and you're not even worth a pound of chopped meat. You're weighed in the balance and found wanting. It means you're a lightweight. You're a dude. You're a lightweight. You inherited a kingdom. We've seen lightweights in office, haven't we, over time? <laughs> okay. Um, and, 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 and then he says, and Daniel is saying, keep the goodies. He says, I'm not looking for the, I'm not, I'm not into the bonus round. You can keep the goodies, give them to someone else. He says, and your kingdom has been divided and given. And it says in scripture that night, the next kingdom came in that night and they killed Belshazzar. Daniel was there at the right day, the party, the, the orgy was scheduled for the right day. God, God allowed that. God caused that. God purposed that. So yeah, God can be extremely chronospecific. That very night, Belshazzar was slain. So God can be very, very, very specific. So two sessions ago, and I'm not saying, I'm just saying this is, I'm teaching this. I'm going through my life. Things have happened. I gave you these verses. You can have them here. You can look them up. It's crazy. God has been very chronospecific in my life. It has sensitized me to these things. Blame him. 816 is my birthday. 82 is my mom's birthday. 27 in Deuteronomy is my dad's birthday. They all say the same thing. 40 years. I don't know where the 40 years are, by the way. I was like 30 years, and Robin and I were 30 years, and I don't know, into something or marriage or something. When, when God started dealing me with this, and I went and read a, grabbed a book off a shelf, and Wigglesworth is prophesying about these 816. So, so I'm sensitized to numbers. And I've told you before, I've had dreams, and then I've ridden to work the next day, and there's a car that was in my dream, and there's numbers on his license plate that are, appear in a patent that gets issued. That shifted our whole business. I don't make this stuff up. I'm just saying God is sensitized to this. So I'm only appointing it to, not to me, but to him. Like, so there's things that he could, he could reveal to you, but he, he's a mysterious God. So who chased the, the infant Jesus. Who looked for the infant Jesus? Was it the guys who knew their Bibles and read them every day? Or was it the crazy yeah. magicians? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everyone who looked at the it was stars. This, 
Yeah, the stargazers are, are looking for the Messiah, and the other guys are eventually getting to the place of saying, kill him. So it's not a question of Bible knowledge. God's able to move on to people who are looking up. We want to be look up. When Jesus said, when these things begin to happen, lift your eyes up because your redemption draws near. And he says, he, and, he, and he says, men's hearts are going to be failing for fear. A lot of the ones failing for fear are going to read books who have tons of Bible in them and they don't have the spirit of God. And they're stuck. And that's why God's looking for us to be in, even in churches that don't have it right, so they can see someone who's lit up with the presence of God. And when you speak to someone, they, they're in tears. They start crying. I, something happened last night in the middle of this thing we were at. I wrote something to someone, and it just and it came on my heart from something that was happening well, there. And, and I get back, and the guy says to me, I, I, honestly, he says, I'm crying right now. I'm crying. So when the presence of God comes upon the people of God, things start shifting. Those, that's what matters. That's the, that's the goods. That's Christianity. This is not a dead religion. If this thing's stiff or boring, it's because you're stiff or boring. It's because I'm stiff or boring. Like, we've got to stop that. The world doesn't need more stiff, boring religion. It can go to other religions for that. And so I'm not about disparaging plans, okay? I, I, I'm fine with that. But the whole idea of power, Shah, you know, like what they started, post-exilic Israel, they started saying, we're going to read this this day, this that day, this that day. Robin and I really struggle with that kind of agenda stuff. We just, I'm just saying. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. There are policies and procedures that do work. I'm just saying we just don't want to get stuck. Okay, so here we go. We're about the end of the notes. So what's the big deal? The big deal is that we need to press in and be spirit-filled people. We know Jesus died for the sins of the world. That's the whole story. You don't have to teach someone the book of Daniel to lead them to Jesus. But you want to be able to brag about a God who's moving supernaturally in your life and performing miracles around you. So that when you sit on an airplane, people are crying with the goodness of God. That you have a story. Your story, your testimony of what God is doing in your life should change the world. It should convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. Your personal testimony of what God is doing in these days. These are the people God's calling now. Not perfect people, perfect God. So we will, I promise, finish up next time we meet, probably next week. Are we meeting next week? I think we are. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Lord, thank you. God, you are amazing. You continue to blow our minds. God, you stun us with how you do things, what you reveal and what you cloak. We thank you for the Dan Bruces and the St. Jerome's and the 90 people who, read, who wrote the New Living Translation commentary we thank you for those god we thank you the ones who have pages and even the stuff i read the last couple of weeks that killing me god thank you for that but god more importantly we want to be filled with your spirit you didn't tell us to tarry in jerusalem until we memorize verses you told us to tarry 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 until we were ignited with the power and fire of heaven that would be upon us and in us and would move through us. And from that place, you, we would be the light of the world. And that's what we want to be in these days, God. And we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, we want to obey. We want to fellowship with you, God, in spirit-ignited obedience, God. That we, our healing is in obedience, God. Our safety is in holiness in these days. And thank you, God. Thank you for the saints. Thank you for the hungry ones. Thank you for the ones who say yes. We say yes now, God. 
We say yes to your will, God. You said how to pray, your will be done. We say your will be done. Your word is your will, and your will is that we are filled with the Holy Spirit so that we won't know what's happening in the heavenly realms. We might be in the right places at the right times. We might, like John Wimber said, we might do this stuff. We want to do this stuff that glorifies you, Jesus. And again, there was speculation this morning, and God, John Wolford did not get it all right. I don't have it all right. Dan Bruce doesn't have it all right. Those 90 and, uh, commentary writers, God. We are, we are, Paul said he saw through a glass darkly. But God, we have 2,000 years, God, of history under our belts, and we could look back and see how accurate you are, and we can hear the clock ticking, and we see what's happening, God, and we're starting to see Israel surrounded like it's really never been before, and we have a nation that didn't even exist, and now it exists, and it came out of the ashes of a holocaust, God, and we can connect enough dots to know that you are coming. You are on your way, and we do not want to say no to that or kick it down the kick the eschatological can down the road to another generation. We say, God, come, Lord Jesus. We already say that. We already say, Baruch haba b'ashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That is you, Jesus. Blessed are you, Jesus, Lord. Whether you come in our lifetime or or a decade from now, Lord, or a, or or a hundred years from now, Lord, you are coming quickly. And we want to warn every man. We want to love people into the kingdom. We want to see saints restored. We want to see more drug addicts set free. And we want to see transgender people caught in that degeneracy and perversion. God, we want to see them released. God, we want to see uh, ALS healed. God, we want to see marriages healed. We want to see pastors leading their churches in prayer meetings, Holy Ghost prayer meetings, God. We want to see baptisms of the Holy Spirit and fire. We're asking you, God, that you would move in our lives for these things, God. Not to validate us, God. You do not need validation either, God. But to you goes the glory, Jesus. So as we unmute our mics, God, we, we want to say amen, saying that we agree with your plans and your purposes as we know them, God. Your saints, God, we said amen. Yes. Amen. So we say yes, so we say yes, so we say yes, so we say yes. Is anybody out there saying yes to God?